Why would Jesus provoke the crowd to hate him and want to kill him? We just read that they were amazed at his gracious words and spoke highly of him. There's got to be something else going on here. There is, underneath this level, the fact that Jesus is God. He actually desires every single person to come to salvation. He's not the type to take a crowd who is infatuated with his words and all of a sudden say something so that they would leave him and abandon his message. But the text gives us a better clue into what's actually happening. Everything that's being said, it's in the Greek, it's the imperfect. So they're all happening simultaneously. While they're amazed and saying, look at his gracious words and speaking highly of him, they're also saying, isn't this the son of Joseph? So while they're hearing these incredible words, they're going through their recollection thinking, wait, did he just claim to be the Messiah? We know this guy. He's from Nazareth. We know his dad. He was just a carpenter. Is this really coming from him? He's going to be the person who delivers us from the Roman Empire and gives us back the promised land? This one, this son of Joseph? We remember that Jesus can read hearts because he's God. He knows what people are thinking. Because he knows that he's aiming at their salvation, he's trying to wake them up from the sense of the ordinary. This brings us to the question for today. How do I engage with the ordinary in an extraordinary way? How do I gauge, engage with the ordinary in an extraordinary way? And we see Jesus' rejection parallels our first reading with Jeremiah. This is classic for all the prophets. They themselves were Jews. They were sent to the Jewish people to proclaim the truth, to get people to change their actions to stop robbing widows and orphans, to worship God alone and not other idols, and they didn't listen. Every single prophet, with probably only one exception out of all the 15 prophets that we have in the scriptures, were failures. They didn't listen to the message of the prophets. So we have this great line from Jeremiah about how God's supporting him against the kings and princes and priests of the people because God knows He's a Jew and he's sent to Jews. They're not going to receive his message. We've heard the line, familiarity breeds contempt. And it's true in many cases. So we have to be careful, especially something like the mass. So many people can often think we can go through the motions and say, well, this is ordinary because I experience this every Sunday. And praise God, we do experience it every Sunday. That's a huge thing. But how do we allow the ordinary? How do I engage the ordinary in an extraordinary way so that the motions of the mass don't just become ordinary, like the people of Nazareth seeing Jesus as ordinary, not able to see the extraordinariness underneath this human vesture? I'll give you some examples. Take the words, I love you. A husband saying it to his wife, maybe 10,000 times, who knows? And yet, truly, a husband in love with his wife, when he says these words, it doesn't matter if it's 10,000 times. Each one means something extraordinary. They never lose their meaning because that's what love allows us to do. 
Take the sun, for example. Chesterton says in his book Orthodoxy, it seems like a dead routine. The universe doesn't seem alive with the energy of God because the same things keep on happening. But he reminds us, a little child enthralled with a simple action, just peekaboo or something like that, they keep saying, again, do it again. It's this fascination, this liveliness of the child that demands the grown-up to continue to do the action until they're nearly dead. But that's the enthrallment of a child being excited about something that seems so ordinary. So really, the miracle is not that the sun ever breaks its pattern, but that it does ordinary activity ceaselessly. The sun comes up every day. If we don't come up one day, it's actually because we're dead, not because we're alive. That's the amazing thing about the miracle of the ordinary. Consider the human heart. This is amazing. The human heart, for all of its sophistication, imagine what it does. It beats over three billion times over the course of a lifetime. That's amazing that our veins have this blood pumping through us, that it continues to operate. Think about any machine doing an operation three billion times in a row. Even if we take a car, one of the most advanced machines we've been able to produce, a piston only fires if you run that car 200,000 miles and never replace the engine, never replace the pistons. They'll only operate 200 million times, over 200,000 miles. This is three billion times. And unlike a car that stops and has maintenance, does oil changes, whatever, our hearts never stop. How wonderful that miracle is of life. And the heartbeat is about as ordinary as we can get. But there's a great miracle embedded in the fact that it does the same activity three billion times. And it does it well, without a hitch. When we talk to our loved ones, our kids, when we say the words, I love you, when we attend Mass, there are three practical things we can do to never let the ordinary lose its its extraordinary impact. The first of these three, three things is to give attention. Attention is radically important to taking in reality. Attention means we listen well, we pay attention to what the other person is saying, we go outside of ourselves, we're trying to hear every word, catch every gesture in tone so that we can understand what is actually being conveyed by the other person. This radical attention can change everything, and you know when someone's paying attention or not. Secondly, empathy. When we not only hear the words and receive the life of the other person in front of us, but we're able to make their emotional life our own, that's a powerful way to enter deeply into things that are not only giving attention but making the other person's feelings, not just words, but their own feelings, our interior dispositions, so that we can connect. Again, it brings us outside of ourselves, but we can encounter the extraordinary in just ordinary things. When we let the liturgy affect us emotionally, we see before us the most amazing thing. It's the death and resurrection of Christ made present at every mass, but it appears ordinary the appearance of bread and wine, but the reality of Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity, 
But imagine taking his emotional life to our own, the sorrow that he has for sin, the great love he has for all humanity, pouring himself out each and every time in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. But to make that emotional life, that event, our own emotional life, take it into our heart, that impact is extraordinary, and it helps us enter more deeply. Now, after that, I want to put in one disclaimer, so stopping our pattern of three things, but you guys are champion kid wranglers. You could take down a calf, no problem. Like, I've seen you guys be able to take your kids and do whatever you need to to get their attention, especially the very, very small ones, and I am completely edified by that, right? So I'm not taking anything away from you parents who are such expert wranglers with your young kids. I'm just edified by it. And I also love the fact that our school is so alive. It's Catholic Schools Week. Our school is so alive because we have so many students who attend Mass here on Sundays. They're practicing Catholic. They're not just hearing the faith in the school. They're actually getting it at home because you're taking them. You teach them. That makes all the difference in the world. No school is successful without its parents. No Catholic school can pass on the faith without the parents. In fact, it's usually the reverse. You actually give them enough of the faith that's not being practiced at home so that you vaccinate them against the faith. So when they meet a focused missionary in college, when they've left the faith, they're like, no, I've heard about Christianity. And that's it. That's the game. But thank you for your dedication to your kids, not only those who send to the school, but truly those who teach the faith at home. That makes all the difference. So we have attention. We have empathy. The last one is memory. Memory is one of the most powerful things. When we recall what others have told us, when we allow their words to take shape in our minds and we pray over them, we have attention to those words in our minds and our hearts, and we're able to bring it up at a later time. It shows the other person, I love you and care about you so much. I remember what you said. And I have something I'm still thinking and praying about it. Those three things, attention, empathy, and memory, they change the way we encounter the ordinary. It makes all things that seem ordinary very extraordinary. And that's what we do with our loved ones. That's what we're trying to do here at Mass. That's why we take the words of Jesus, do this in memory of me. It's not because he desires it to be ordinary, but it's because he loves us and he desires us to love him. When we repeat the things that are significant for the ones that we love, that changes ordinary things to be extraordinary. So we avoid the pitfalls of the Jews at the time of Jeremiah and the time of Jesus because we're ready to encounter something new at the liturgy. No matter how many times you've come to Mass, how many times you've said, I love you, how many times you've listened to your kids, each time there's something new. And so we take that with our attention, with our feelings and our hearts and our empathy, and with our memory, and we practice what Jesus taught and lived in his death and resurrection as we participate in this holy mass, obeying his command, do this in memory of me.